June 2019 when I received the news. The family and I, we were in Dallas for the General Assembly for the Presbyterian Church in America. My mom called uh, my wife, Waikita, and, and told her the news first. And I could tell that something was wrong because of the look that was on my wife's face. Eventually, she passed me the phone. And then my mother, with her motherly touch, she told me that my grandmother passed away in her sleep. The news numbed me. I was speechless. Tears came. It hurt, and it still hurts because I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Adine, Adine Phillips, that's my grandmother's name. She has two sons, my dad, my uncle, four, six grandkids, four great-grandkids. My grandmother was a good grandmother, and, and I believe that she knew Jesus. But for my dad and uncle, this is their first Mother's Day without my grandmother. No cars to send. No money or flowers to send. No phone calls to be made. There's a sting. And my dad is still grieving. Just like it's a sting for some of you. Because for some, Mother's Day is not a good day. For some, it's, it's, it's a reminder of death and of abandonment and, and incarceration or whatever. It stings because of loss because of a miscarriage, because of infertility. Mother's Day and motherhood are, are part of our life story, and our life story is, is made up of many short stories that, that come from seasons and moments and memories and journeys. And, and these short stories, they, they tell of our joy and pain, our ups and downs, our successes and failures, our tears and our smiles, uh, these short stories of your life will vary, but each will conclude the same way, the same conclusion. It will conclude with the same phrase, all God, all day. It's all God, all day in our life because the battle belongs to him. But do we believe that? The same is true for our brother Gideon in in Judges 7. It's all God all day in in his life and and in the life of the men who are with him as they are on the verge of battle. Remember, Gideon and his 32,000-man army are ready to battle the Midianites who have invaded their land. But God isn't ready for them to go. He hits the brakes. He, he slows Gideon down. He, he tells him to wait. For the Lord sees something that Gideon doesn't see. He understands something that Gideon doesn't understand. He tells him that the 32,000 men that are with him are too many for him to give the Midianites into their hands. Why? Because the Lord knows his people just like he knows you. He knows that, 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 they, that they, if he gives the, the Midianites into their hands, that they will boast over him. They will take the credit for the victory. They will glorify themselves over the Lord by saying, our own hands have saved us. Such a response would not honor God. And so he gives Gideon a solution, a solution that will show 
that the battle really does belong to the Lord. And before we go into that solution, join me one more time in a word of prayer. So please pray with and for me as I pray for the spirit to bless the preaching of God's word. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week, I I truly believe it, that you are the one who, who makes preaching powerful. The preacher has to do the study, the prayer, the prep, the writing, but you are the one who gives it power. You are the one who, who takes it and changes hearts and brings conviction and encourage God's people. You do that, Holy Spirit. That is your role. That is your job. And so, Spirit, I ask that you would do your job today, that you would do what only you can do. Apply the word to the hearts of God's people and even use it to call those into the kingdom who may be tuning in and they don't know Jesus. You are able to do that. You are the third person in the Godhead. The preacher is not. I don't care how many degrees the preacher may have or what kind of platform he may have or she may have. You're the one spirit. Bring glory to Jesus today. It's in Christ's name that I do pray. Amen. There are three terms every employee never wants to hear spoken on the lips of their employer. This applies to all types of employees, blue collar, white collar, hourly employees, salary employees. It applies to contract workers and day labor employees as well. Even a hint or a rumor of these terms can flood a company's workforce with panic and fear. Many people in our country right now are experiencing the consequences from their company's decision to enforce one of these terms. What are they? Furlough, layoff, reduction in force. A furlough is a, a mandatory suspension of work without pay with the expectation of a return to work at some point. Furloughed employees, they, they typically retain their employee benefits like health care and life insurance. Layoff, a layoff is a suspension of work without the expectation of a return. And laid off employees do not get to keep their benefits. Reduction in force, or RIF, is a separation from employment due to lack of funds, lack of work, elimination of position, with no expectation that the employee will be recalled. One of these terms is used by the Lord God as a solution for our brother Gideon. Which one do you think he uses? Reduction in force, layoff, furlough. You can type your answer in the Facebook live comment section if you, if you would like. It's reduction in force. It's a reduction in force. You see, the Lord's solution is an army reduction, reducing and subtracting men from Gideon's 32,000-man army. He's going to take away resources as Gideon prepares to battle an adversary who outnumbers him. He implements a reduction in force because the battle belongs to the Lord and not Gideon. Remember, he won't give the Midianites into their hands with 32,000 men in the army because they would claim the victory for themselves. Saints, at some point, 
in your life, God is going to implement a reduction of force. And it's happening for some of you right now. He'll subtract and take away resources as you prepare to battle an adversary that outnumbers you. An adversary who's more powerful than you, an adversary who has more privilege than you, an adversary who appears to have more resources than you. And each of you will feel that the Lord is forsaking you. I'm going to battle and you're taking things away? That doesn't make any kind of sense. You will think that you're in the battle by yourself, but you're not. You won't understand what the Lord is doing, but trust me, he understands. He understands. He enforces the RIF because the battle belongs to him, not you. Not you. And that's tough for American Christians because we think the battle belongs to us. Because we're Americans and we can do everything. It does not belong to us. Nor does it belong to Gideon and his army. The Lord's RIF in Gideon's army begins with a voluntary reduction. And that is a bold move. For those of you who are in the military or served in the military, do you think any commander was on the verge of battle with letting soldiers go home if they are afraid? And be honest. They're already outnumbered. And do you think a human general and commander are going to say, if you want to go home, go home? From our point of view, the Lord's actions are illogical. It doesn't make sense. You know why it doesn't make sense? He's God and we're not. He's countercultural. This is even otherworldly. Our God sits in the heavens and he does what he pleases. He doesn't need your permission. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 7 says, this is what God says of himself. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. For as for as the heavens are high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what is God saying to you if you're his people? Sit down. You're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. So sit down and watch the master work. The Lord not only does what he pleases, he perfectly knows what he's doing. Keep calm. Yahweh has this. Do you think he just started working because you're working? (laughs) He's been working before you were born. You think he just now got a plan because you're excited? Keep in mind, he did speak through a donkey. So you're not that important. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should change his mind. As he has said, will he not do it? Yes, he will. The Lord is going to fulfill his promise to Gideon. The promise that that Gideon would defeat the Midianites and deliver the people of Israel. God is going to honor that promise, but he's going to do it in such a way that he gets the praise and glory. All the credit, all the applause. We want him to do things, if we're honest, 
so that people can say, man, you're such a good Christian. Look at you. You love Jesus. Look at you. You did your 2.3 miles yesterday. You're down for the cause. For all Christians, if you have saving faith in Jesus Christ, God may use you, but he's going to use you in a way that he gets the credit. If that is not your motivation, then you ain't doing it for God. God is faithful to all his promises to his people. He is, but he would not give us his glory. And his people, who are his people? His people are those who have saving faith in Jesus. They know him as Lord and Savior. That means you trust Jesus. You believe that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again for your justification. And so if you don't know him, if you don't know him, you're just navigating through life with no, really no true purpose. So if you want to know him, confess him today. Repent of your sins right now. Ask for forgiveness right now. Submit and surrender to him right now. And when you do, you'll be in Jesus forever. Forever. And the Holy Spirit will will live in you supernaturally forever. And all God's promises will be applied to you without condition. He'll be faithful to you forever. Even when you're faithless, even when you don't understand what he's doing, even when his actions appear to be illogical, even when he implements a reduction, a, a force in your life, he's still faithful. He's still faithful. And here's a nugget of truth that each of us need to take to heart. Trusting that the battle belongs to the Lord requires y'all to walk by faith and not by sight. Where's my sign? Let me hold it up. Trusting that the battle belongs to the Lord requires you to walk by faith, not by what you can see touch feel taste and even comprehend it's all god all day people he knows what he's doing he's fulfilling his promise but he will fulfill the promises according to his timeline his dreams his plans not yours he does it his way and not getting his way not your way right now his way to fulfill his promise to Gideon begins with a voluntary reduction in his army. He's going to send men home. And, he, and, and, and the Lord isn't going to handpick the ones who go home. Neither will Gideon. The men will be given the option to leave on their own will of their own accord. Look at verse 3 with me. In verse 3, the Lord gives the voluntary reduction orders to Gideon. He says to Gideon, now... Therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry from Mount Gilead. Don't tarry. Hurry. This fear and trembling isn't just internal. It it expresses itself um, uh, externally through physical trembling. It's been so paralyzed by fear that you can't move. Have you ever been that afraid? Now, it's easy for patriotic folks to 
say these men are just cowards. They're unwilling to fulfill their commitment to their country. War is a different type of beast. These men aren't trained soldiers. They haven't been to boot camp. They, they aren't in special forces. They're farmers and shepherds with no combat experience. All of y'all should be able to identify and even empathize with these men on some level. Each of you have committed yourselves to different types of social causes and, and social movements and political causes, even though you may lack experience in those areas. You committed yourself to them because of your conviction to truth, to justice, and to doing what's right. Those commitments are easy to make when they're just theoretical and written on paper. You may want to pull your shoes close to you or your feet. It's easier to tweet about COVID-19 than it is to be on the front lines fighting against it. Far easier. It's easier to, to post comments and, and videos on, on Facebook and Instagram about your disgust with the murder of Ahmaud Arbery than it is to get your hands dirty and fight in racism and injustice and white supremacy. Yeah, for me, it's easier to preach on those things than it is to actually be in the fight. Yes, my family out. Yeah, we did our 2.3 miles yesterday. It was easy. It didn't cost us anything. Saints. Saints, 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 the time will come when y'all will have to own your verbal and written commitments with action. The time will come when y'all will have to finally push play. And when that happens, fear and trembling will wash over you like a tsunami. Because reality begins to set in. You begin to realize that fighting against, against certain adversaries is going to take more than just saying, just preach the gospel. The fight is going to cost you personally. It's going to cost you personally to really battle COVID-19. It's going to cost you personally to battle injustice and racially motivated crimes. It's going to cost you to battle poverty and homelessness. Whatever you want to battle, whatever adversary that you're truly facing, if you're truly going to engage it, it's going to cost you. Otherwise, you're just playing. Let the reality of personal cost set in, and then you got to count that cost, baby. you got to count that cost. Many of Gideon's men, they, 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 they've done what some of us do. Many of them committed, them to, committed themselves to this battle in the spur of the moment. They left their homes and families without thinking things through. Being emotionally worked up, they committed themselves to fight against the enemy without counting the cost. But now, as they sit in their camp on the verge of battle, reality has come knocking on the door of their soul. And when they open that door, you know, you know, you know what reality says to them? Y'all didn't count the cost. And now you're sitting in fear and trembling. It's rushing over you like a tsunami because you're realizing 
that this fight may cost me my life. I might not get to go back home. That's counting the cost. The Lord knows that some of Gideon's men are afraid. He, he sees their hearts, but he doesn't shame and condemn them for it. Instead, he tells Gideon, let these men return home through a voluntary reduction. And here's an important point, saints. This voluntary reduction isn't just about the Lord showing Gideon and his men that the battle belongs to the Lord. It also benefits the whole army. You see, the the Lord's command to Gideon comes from Deuteronomy 20, which deals with laws concerning warfare. Within these laws, an exception is made for, for men who are afraid to go into battle. Listen to what Deuteronomy 20 verse 8 says. And the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house. Least he makes the hearts of his fellows melt like his. Fear is contagious. It can spread throughout the whole army. And the Lord knows this. He knows what he's doing, saints. If he's, to tr- if he's taking away people on the battlefield with you, it's probably a good thing. This fear can melt the hearts of, of all the men. So the voluntary um, reduction is going to prevent fear from taking over the camp, which is a benefit to the whole army. Some of y'all, you're going to walk away from the causes you're fighting for when you realize just how much it might cost you personally. And we just need to own that. We just need to own it. Everyone who's standing with you now ain't, ain't going to be standing with you in the end. Because the cost is going to be too great. Too great. Fear and trembling is going to take over. Please understand that there's a cost to fight against the adversaries of of racism and injustice and white supremacy. There is a cost to be on the front lines against COVID-19. There's a cost to fight these things. If you're going to fight poverty and homelessness, it's going to be a cost to you if you're truly going to fight against it. One of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, says, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And let me be clear right here certain adversaries for certain adversaries it's going to cost you comfort privilege rights power resources reputation and careers to fight against them and some of us most of us aren't willing to do that we just need to own it stop playing just own it and for majority of us it is too much and so we're going to leave camp and go back home where it's safe. But is it really safe? How many of the men do you think leaves the camp? After Gideon tells them, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry from Mount Gilead. Don't, don't, don't walk. You need to run. How many are going to run away? 10%? 20%? 30%? No. Over 50% of the men leave and return home. The text says 22,000 men return. 10,000 remain. 
take those words in and feel their impact. They were they're already outnumbered. And now over 50% of the soldiers leave. Put yourself in the shoes of the men who are left behind. Put yourself in the shoes of Gideon. Don't gloss over this. Now, I've said every time I preach from the Old Testament, I always say this. Don't make the Old Testament saints um, mannequins in their own story. We all know God is sovereign, but these people aren't robots. They, they're living this stuff. It's their reality. It's their reality. And so these men, they, they are having the same emotions and struggles that you would have. And now Gideon and the 10,000 men who are left behind, they have a choice of their own to make. Will they shame and judge the 22,000 men that left? Will they shame and judge them? Will they slander and gossip about them as they walk away? Will they call these men, cop men, cowards for leaving the battlefield? Or will they empathize with them in their fear and trembling and wish them farewell as they travel back home? What about y'all? How are you going to treat people who thought they were socially woke, but they soon realize they're not? They were just pretending. How are you going to treat allies when they leave the fight because the cost is too great? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Will you shame and judge them? Would you call them out on social, your, your social media platforms? Would you get distracted about who's leaving? As Christians, we have to ask ourselves, is our strength in numbers? Is your strength in, in, in you having the right connections? Is your strength in you having the right people on your side? Is your strength in having the right people use their platform for your cause? Is your strength in your resources? If the battle belongs to you, then the answer is yes. But praise God that it does not. See, when God adds to our life, we say things like, won't he do it? When he adds to our life, we say things like, God is good. When he adds things to our life, we say he keeps on blessing me. But when he subtracts things from our life, we think he's punishing us. We think we're alone. We think we're by ourselves. Maybe it's a blessing that certain people are no longer on the battlefield with you. Have you thought about that? Maybe God is being good to you by subtracting things away from you as you engage certain adversaries. Have you thought about that? You see, American, as American Christians, we give lip service to the verse that says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We do. We, as we engage the different adversaries that we engage, we do it by sight. We don't walk by faith. Because if you're walking by faith, if you're walking by faith, you can battle our adversaries with limited resources, limited manpower, limited privilege, limited power, because the battle belongs to the Lord and not you. You don't need certain people on your side because you got the right one already on your side. (laughs) You just got to step out on faith. 
You got to step out on faith with less than what you want because the God you serve is on your side. Maybe there's a reason why in our country certain things haven't truly been healed because the church is going about it the wrong way. Just step out. Just step out. Stop worrying about who's not there and walk with who's there. Fight with who's there. And God has called you to engage in a certain battle for the kingdom and a certain cause from the kingdom. Stop worrying about who's not on your side because you already got Yahweh on your side. So move forward. Just move forward. Trusting that God is able to do what he says he's going to do. He's able. That's patient song today. This is not God's first rodeo. This is not God's first time fighting against the things that you're fighting against and for. We're the ones late to the show. We're the ones that's late to the show. He's been fighting this since Genesis 3. And he'll still be fighting it when you're dead and gone. There's a hymn that says, Beams of heaven as I go through the wilderness below. Guide my feet in peaceful ways. Turn my midnight into days when in darkness I will grope. Faith always sees a star of hope. Soon from all life's griefs and danger, I shall be free someday. Harder yet may be the fight. Right may often yield to might. Wickedness for a while may reign. Satan's cause may seem to gain. But there, but there's a God who rules above with a hand of power and a heart of love. And if we are right, he'll fight our battles. We shall have peace someday. Keep fighting, saints. Keep pressing on, saints. Because the battle does not belong to you. It belongs to your God. And he's doing it. Let us pray. Father, encourage your people as they continue to move forward in this life. Each of us are, each of us might not engage in the same battles and the same causes. But as Christians, we're still part of the same family. So let us pray for one another. Let us support one another. Let us um, walk by faith and not by what we can see. Trusting that you are at work despite the things that we see. So Holy Spirit, do it. Holy Spirit, comfort. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen.